he was young, too young, he thought, for this massive responsibility that was given to him. He didn't think he was up for the task. It's not like he didn't have everything that he needed, but he thought he lacked one particular thing. How was he going to be wise enough to do the job that had been given to him? The people that had gone before him had shown great wisdom. But to do this job properly, he thought, was going to take wisdom beyond his years, as the saying goes. So what did he do? He prayed. He prayed that God would give him wisdom. And what did God do? He gave him wisdom, wisdom in abundance, wisdom that became legendary, especially after he made a ruling between two women who were fighting over possession of a baby. Now, maybe you figured it out that I was talking about Solomon, one of the wisest men ever. But whose wisdom was Solomon's wisdom? Was it his or was it God's? Obviously, it was God's. He had to ask for it from God. And again, God gave it to him in abundance. Paul speaks about God's wisdom in his letter to the Ephesians in our epistle reading for today in chapter 5. So let's listen to the end of that reading again, starting at verse 15. Be very careful then as to how you live. Do not be unwise, but wise, and make the most of your opportunities, because these are evil days. So do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord wants. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to wild living. But let the Spirit fill you as you speak psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to one another, singing with your hearts and making music to the Lord. As you always thank God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is God's word. In this section, Paul emphasizes the standard by which we're to live as he compares really the wisdom of the world with the wisdom of the Spirit, with God's wisdom. And he tells us very clearly, walk in the wisdom of the Spirit. Now, what makes the wisdom of the Spirit so great? Well, first off, God the Spirit's wisdom is not the wisdom of the world. You can find pretty much any kind of information nowadays. You don't have to go to a book. You can Google search just about anything. If you're looking to try and figure out some facts, if you're trying to figure out how to do something, you can find information about all kinds of things. The list is endless. But many times, whose wisdom is being promoted? Or better yet, where does that wisdom come from? Many cases, in many cases, it's the world's wisdom that's being promoted. And sometimes that wisdom is the exact opposite of God's wisdom. Paul characterizes the wisdom of the world as evil. He says these are evil days. And if the days themselves are evil, well then the wisdom that comes from these days, from this world, that wisdom is also evil. 
Now, that's not to say that all of the wisdom that's, that's floating around out there is just terrible. There are many things that we can learn from the world's wisdom. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. There are all kinds of practical ideas that you can take advantage of. But if we're talking about ideas concerning how to improve yourself, whose wisdom are you going to listen to? Well, the world's wisdom says if you want to change a particular behavior, maybe a a bad habit that you have, and you want to change that, well, how do you do that? Well, the world's wisdom would say, dig deep within yourself. You have the power within yourself to change. All it takes is a lot of willpower to be able to make that change. And that sort of wisdom really kind of flies in the face of the Spirit's wisdom. Remember last week, I mentioned what Paul said in Romans 7 about doing the good that he wanted to do, and he says, I don't do it. It doesn't matter how hard we try. It doesn't matter how much willpower we muster. We're going to sin. We're going to fail in many cases. And so the wisdom of this world, in comparison to the Spirit's wisdom, in comparison to God's wisdom, is evil. It's contrary to God's word. In God's eyes, following the wisdom of the world is actually to be without wisdom. Paul said, be very careful then as to how you live. Do not be unwise, but wise. There's only two choices, really. And another way to say this would be, you are God's children. He's made you his child through Jesus. You're not like the rest of the world. You're not like everyone who has rejected Jesus as their Savior. As God's children, you have the wisdom of the Spirit. Don't live like the unbelievers because they don't have true wisdom. Without the Spirit's wisdom, you really don't have wisdom. It's an all-or-nothing all proposition. God, the Spirit's wisdom is also not the, spirit, or it's not the wisdom of this world because the wisdom of the world leads to acts of sin. Someone who has no relationship with the Spirit of God really has no capability of doing anything that is pleasing to God. People without God's wisdom do things that are without wisdom as a result. The example that Paul uses here in this section is getting drunk. He says, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to wild living. When you get drunk, what happens? You open yourself up to all kinds of immoral behavior. Why does someone do that? Well, they're not acting on or they don't have the wisdom of the Spirit. And really, that's only natural. Why would someone who doesn't have the spirit of the of the wisdom of the spirit, who is not a Christian, why would they want to do something that's pleasing to God? Paul says in in Second Corinthians, I'm sorry, First Corinthians two, an unspiritual person does not accept the things of the spirit of God. He thinks they're foolish and he cannot know them because one must have the spirit to judge them correctly. People who are not Christians, people who are without the Spirit of God, don't know any better. 
And that foolishness, not having that wisdom, leads only to death. From the time of Adam and Eve in the garden, God said, in essence, if you sin, you die. And that truth was shown, it was explained even more and more throughout Old Testament times. And that's why God says in his word, the wages of sin is death. That makes sense because God is a God of life. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus said. That's what God is all about. He's about life. He created and he sustains all life. He sent Jesus to be our life, to give us life. And that is true wisdom. It's completely opposite to the wisdom of the world. The world's wisdom says, do whatever you want to do because we, we deserve it or we have the right to do whatever we want. But the Spirit's wisdom is not the wisdom of the world. The Spirit does not lead us to acts of sin as we walk in His wisdom. It's also clear then that we're to walk in the true wisdom of God, the wisdom of the Spirit, because His wisdom is the true wisdom. That's why Paul encourages us, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord wants. In other words, if we are God's children through faith in Jesus, we understand what the Spirit wants. How does that happen? Does God speak to you? Does he tell you what he wants? Yes, he does. He does that in his word. God the Spirit inspired certain men to write down exactly what he wanted. That's what Paul says in 2 Timothy. And so we can trust what God says in his word because it comes directly from him. Now this is not necessarily a, a popular belief today. There are many Christian churches who don't really believe everything that the Bible says. They say that the Bible has errors in science or in history or in geography. They say that, that Jesus didn't perform all of the miracles that are recorded in the Gospels. They say that Jesus wasn't true God at the same time as being a man. But where does that all stop? If we, if we believe certain parts of the Bible, who's to say which parts we should believe? If we just pick and choose which parts we want, well, we could pick and choose anything. But really, believing what God says, believing what the Spirit wrote in the Bible is an all-or-nothing proposition. And if we don't believe everything the Bible says, we can't believe in the most important parts. We can't believe in God's plan of salvation. We can't believe that Jesus came and lived a perfect life for us. We can't believe that, that Jesus went to the cross and died a horrible death so that we don't have to. We can't believe that Jesus rose from the dead to guarantee our resurrection from the dead. The entire foundation of our faith, the very source of our very life, would be gone without the Spirit's wisdom. So how could we live apart from this wisdom? God has revealed his wisdom to us in his word. 
in the Bible. And in that precious book, he tells us exactly what he wants. He tells us that he wants us to be saved from sin, from eternal death. And that is true wisdom. It is completely opposite to the wisdom of the world. God's wisdom is also true wisdom because it builds people up and it doesn't tear them down. Now I mentioned before that according to this world, according to the world's wisdom, anything goes. If it's, if it's okay to you, well then it must be okay to do. You want to be dishonest in your business dealings so that you can get ahead? Yeah, it's okay. You want to tell white lies to your friends so that, so that her feelings don't get hurt? Yeah, that's okay. You want to work insane numbers of hours and try and get ahead that way even though your family won't know you? Yeah, that's good, actually. That's a, a good way to live. And in the long run, those sorts of actions really just tear people down. For example, what good comes from, from having lots of money if your kids don't even know who you are? Is behaving in such a worldly way good for your family? Well, the world would say, yes, it is. But God's spirit says, no, it's not. According to the spirit's wisdom, we're to try to do what we can to build each other up. Paul says, let the spirit fill you as you speak psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to one another, singing with your hearts and making music to the Lord, as you always thank God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that might make it sound like we're supposed to go around all the time singing, that, that we're only supposed to be speaking psalms to one another. But we know that that's not really the case. It would be impossible to communicate if we're just using Scripture to do so. But we are to use God the Spirit's wisdom to build each other up in our faith. What sort of wisdom, for example, are we going to share with someone who has just lost a loved one? Are we going to tell that person that, well, you know, life is transitory and, and it does come to an end sometime? Are we going to say, well, well maybe your loved one is going to be reincarnated and, and become a soaring eagle? Is that really going to help? Is that really going to build that person up? Or are we going to share true comfort with such a friend? by sharing the Spirit's wisdom with them, that, that those who die in Christ will be raised on the last day, that those who trust in Jesus for their salvation will be with him in heaven. We do this sort of building up in our personal lives on a one-on-one -on -one basis. We also do that sort of building up right here in church. When we think about why we come to church on Sunday, we probably think about what I am going to get out of it. I'm going to receive the forgiveness of my sins. I'm going to be able to take the Lord's Supper and receive that assurance, the forgiveness of my sins. And that's all well and good to be thinking about how we're going to be spiritually refreshed for the coming week. But what about all of us as a group. The writer of the Hebrews tells us 
Let us consider how we can stimulate one another in love and to do good works. We do this not by staying away from our worship services, as some are regularly doing, but by continuing to encourage one another. And this all the more as you see the day coming nearer. Part of the reason why we gather as a group is so that we can build each other up in our faith, so that we can encourage one another in our faith. Simply seeing each other here at church is an encouragement because we know that we're not alone in what we believe. Now granted, over this past year and few months, COVID has kind of messed with those plans. There are many times when we just haven't been able to gather as a group. And that's okay. That's not going to last forever. But think about the, the positives of coming together as a group to worship our Lord, to rejoice in the forgiveness, the life that he gives us. And that is an encouragement to all of us. That is God's wisdom, his plan. And that wisdom is awesome, isn't it? Just as those who witnessed Solomon's wisdom marveled, we marvel at the wisdom of God, at seeing how he works, not just in the world, but in our lives. In his wisdom, he sent Jesus to be the savior of the world. But not just the world, he sent him as your savior to make you one who is an heir of heaven, to rescue you from sin and death. And in his wisdom, he tells us all these things in his holy word, in the Bible. We treasure that daily. And we come together on a regular basis to treasure that word, to hear that word together, to build each other up. Continue to walk in that wisdom, knowing that, that you have many who are walking with you. Amen.